Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Hey, look, it's today's opening tip in New Orleans. There's not only the King Cake Baby, but real babies racing. This one ended with two babies refusing to finish and then hugging each other. Kevin, this is the best baby race ever. Babies and puppies. I mean... It's the best in the world. Look at that. I want my baby to come all the way through. That's cute. And, like, she did the, like, this before the hug. I mean, this is amazing. I'm sorry. We're going to be running out of loop for the next three weeks until Christmas because that's just how good that is. Welcome back to The Jump. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend. I am Rachel Nichols alongside ESPN senior NBA writer Kevin Arnovitz and two-time WNBA all-star Janae Agumake. Uh, Kevin just got back from Australia, so if he talks during the show in a funny accent, oh. just got to excuse him for that. Coming up, we're going to talk about James Harden. He had a historic three quarters, but should he have had the chance to join even more exclusive company in the 80-point club? We will discuss first, though. There was a time that the NBA was obsessed with finding the next Michael Jordan. Remember Harold Miner? Yeah, that didn't work out so well. Jerry Stackhouse got the Jordan comparisons, but also, nah. And of course, there was Kobe. But as much as Kobe patterned his game on Michael, and as jaw-droppingly great as Kobe turned out to be, Kobe was sort of like what you get if you fed MJ into a Xerox machine with the ink cartridges set wrong. The copy certainly resembled the original, but was different enough, there's no way you just flat-out confuse the two. Honestly, the whole who's the next Jordan thing went so poorly overall for the NBA that fans stopped asking the question. And for the next couple decades have largely stayed away from the whole who is the next so-and-so construction overall. We've talked, sure, about the mass of young sharpshooters that Steph Curry has inspired, including guys like Trey Young. But as Trey himself will tell you, he is not the next Steph, nor really can anyone be. And with LeBron, I mean, (laughs) the idea that anyone could be the next LeBron has largely just felt preposterous. It's insane enough that there is even one human on Earth who has that particular combo of athleticism, finesse, savvy, and flat-out durability, much less that there might be more of them. LeBron is simply a genetic mutation, both physically and mentally. So the suggestion we'd get a next always seems silly. But here's what's turned out to be true. Well, no, there won't be a next LeBron. LeBron has played long enough now that there are this wave of players who came up and patterned their games after his. And one or two of them might just be genetic mutations in their own singular ways, like Luka Doncic. And before anyone freaks out, let's be clear, Luka, of course, does not have all LeBron's physical (laughs) gifts. But he has some different ones, and the similarities between the way the two take over the game from the forward position by scoring and playmaking and expertly directing the traffic around them has simply jumped off the screen in the last two games that they played against each other. There was the game last month, right, where both Luka and LeBron uh, had triple doubles. A game finally decided in overtime on this LeBron stack-back dagger. Here we go. Yeah. And then the game that the Mavericks and Lakers played yesterday, which Dallas broke open in the third quarter thanks to a 28-5 run that Doncic powered with 16 points and 5 assists in just that quarter alone. Luka would finish overall with 27 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, and 3 steals. And in the fourth quarter, he did this. Look familiar, huh? This time it's him with a step-back 3 over LeBron. Here was Dallas coach Rick Carlisle after. He, he hit a couple of hellacious shots. You know, the, the, you know, there's just, 
a small handful of guys in the whole world that can hit. And, uh, you know, LeBron James is one of them. He's one of them. Those step-back 30-footers are, you know, um, it's hard to describe how difficult the shot is um, and how easy he makes it look. Rick has seen a few things in his time in the NBA since 1984. And again, he's making the comparison to LeBron. And again, it's not an accident. LeBron is flat out the player that Luka idolized when he was growing up in Slovenia. And in a way still does. Last year, after Luka played LeBron for the first time ever, he asked LeBron for his jersey and an autograph. Both players were tabbed young as prodigies. LeBron was the chosen one, right? One of Luka's nicknames over in Europe was Wonder Boy. (laughs) And both faced the pressure of coming into the NBA with towering expectations which they both almost immediately began to exceed. Now, of course, there is a long, long way to go in Luka's career. Forget emulating LeBron's eight straight finals appearances. Luka hasn't even been to the playoffs once yet. It's certainly possible Luka never fulfills the intense promise he's showing now that he ends up being more Harold Miner than Kobe. But the fact that we're even having the discussion is in its own way new and a whole lot of fun to watch unfold. So, Cheney, I doubt that the Mavericks win over the Lakers made you change your mind about Luka. You've been up on him all season. But did it change anything about the Mavericks' outlook for this season for you? Yeah, entering the game, I had a question. Or even entering the season, I had a question, will the Mavs be in the playoffs? I got an answer yesterday. Yes, they will. That's just who they are. That's their team. And when you're making the LeBron and Luka comparisons, it's funny because I think about uh, when your idols become your rivals. Rick Ross, right. oh, that's his song. Yep. Uh, this is exactly the case. LeBron has played so long that a lot of the up-and-comers looked to his game and said, you know what? I may not be able to jump as high, dunk as much, and be that physically dominant. How am I going to put my new age twist on this? And Luka's doing it. And you can even say that James Harden, there's a little part of his game with the step-back three, yes. but Luka does it a little differently. I was watching his game yesterday and I was like okay this guy he's so good because not only he's good going right you know Mm -hmm. most point guards or forwards that initiate offense use their dominant hand to go right he goes left and when he goes left sometimes he's baiting you with the between the legs to get to his left he's better finishing he came back in better condition stronger so you're seeing the best version of himself but the thing that I had my eye on was like okay you're on the left side of the court you hit this step back three Um, that's where it's easier for people to defend you when you're a right-handed shooter he's still knocking down these quote-unquote hellacious shot. Yep. So yeah, this is Luca, and I talked to my guy Dwight Powell. We went to Stanford together. He's a glue guy for the Mavericks, and Dwight was basically saying this is so different because we're winning games, and it's not like just the way we're winning. Mm-hmm. They dominated the Lakers in the second half. He's hitting tough shots in close games. He's he's really galvanizing his team to do it in a way that I was really impressed with yesterday uh, watching at Staples. Yeah, I mean, I'm normally not a signature win guy, particularly right. in November or December right. in, a, in a season with 82 games. But look, this is a franchise that's been in the wilderness. Right. The last <laughs> series they won in the postseason was over the heat in 2011. That is crazy, by the way. Um, the last New York series they won was when they they won the title. That's, that's an insane drop 2020, off. 2020, 2011. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think there are moments in the trajectory of a team's growth, particularly a young team, where, you know, you do set the story. And the bottom line is they went and beat the best team in basketball on the road last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I do think it, it, it bodes well for the future. The thing about Luca is we, we see the step backs a lot because it's sort of the flavor of the year. Sure. He is getting to the hole, and this is where the LeBron comparison is. In the half court, yep. in the third quarter last night, he took an inbound, he, he inbounded the ball, got it right back from KP, went around two staggered screens, untouched around the entire perimeter of the floor to the hole. Nobody does that except one guy I can think of, 
in the half court in a situation like that. And he's doing it differently. And I've always said that international players have a different cadence to their game. What works for LeBron is his physicality, his athleticism. No one wants to stop that freight train. Mm -hmm. But Luka, he's shifty. So he'll get in between the legs and, you know, go in between the legs and you'll see he'll shoot the step back three. Or he'll use his momentum extremely well to get to the rim. And now that he has more muscle, more strength, he's finishing at a great clip. Yeah, right. I mean, if LeBron's the, the, the fastball pitcher yeah. of this of this genre, he's the off-speed guy. Yeah, uh, and look, like, as we said, yeah. <laughs> he, he's not, again, physically, he is not LeBron. No, Nobody is LeBron. He did dunk it yesterday, though. But he's a big, he's a big dude in his own right and has his own, to your point, physical gifts that it, he can use to, to be around the basket. And right now, already the best pick-and-roll player in the right? game um, in terms of efficiency, doing it with Powell, doing it with KP. I mean, it's it's incredible. Okay, but just to your point, oh, the Mavericks are definitely a playoff team. Yes, I think they're the fourth Lakers, spot Clippers, right now. Rockets, that's three jazz nuggets right uh right now the right timberwolves are in there somewhere right or sorry yeah the mavericks are in there at four um i'm just going down there right we've got nuggets maybe portland it's a wild maybe, Orleans, West. maybe the wolves maybe you know i'm san antonio i'm not sure producer jesse's in my ear saying spurs spurs <laughs> look so good for them there's still a battle for that seven or eight spot but i, I, I think new orleans thinks that they might get in there at i'm seven. willing to put dallas a, a I, tier I above this the might be yeah. who they are and yeah. this might be who luca is i am not doubting them for sure daryl morey tweeted this morning what do you mean of course the mavericks are a playoff team <laughs> and that's coming from a rival texas gm right? but i, I just think if you're going to say they are, you have to talk about who is out of that top eight as well. There's still some teams going there at the bottom. Let's talk about the Lakers side of things, because following the loss, Anthony Davis had this to say about his team's approach to bouncing back. Our whole thing, we don't want to lose two in a row, ever. So um, it's definitely going to be a bounce back game. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we correct everything that we uh, did poorly tonight. The realistic is the mindset. You know, it's not about, the, you know, sometimes you lose games in a row, it happens, but, you know, just having that mindset and that approach. All right, so, Kevin, Los Angeles Lakers say no two-game losing streaks all season. Is that realistic? Yeah, I think it's realistic. I mean, the Warriors, I think, went close to two seasons during their, their, their early run where they didn't do it. What I like about it is it, it sort of counters the previous LeBron teams in Cleveland. I mean, it, there's been this sense that pay no attention to what you see in the first six months of the year because of, of the NBA season because it's not an indication of who we are. And what this says is we have a commitment to defense every single night. I mean, that's what really what they're talking about. When, when a team is coasting, it's not because they're not putting it together offensively. It's because they're not really trying on the defensive end. Um, and in this respect, I, I just, I, I think it is realistic and I think the sentiment is noble. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when you think about this Lakers team, their first win streak was predicated on defense. Mm -hmm. They're the best defensive team in the NBA. They sort of dropped a couple notches. I think they're fifth best now. And then now this win streak was predicated on offense. They were the sixth best offensive team um, in the NBA. And I think sometimes you think one night it's going to be defense, one night it's going to be offense. What they learned yesterday that it has to be defense 24-7. We can't rely on us shooting the ball, LeBron taking over 80s, racking them up in the first half. You have to have that consistent defensive energy and effort for them to win. So I think that's the best takeaway if you're the Lakers and you see this loss. All right, now we know we have to bring our defense every night. Offense will just come and go. Well, here's their schedule for December coming up. It does get tougher, right, in this next month. And you can see some things in there that at least have the danger of being back-to-back -back losses, not saying that they will end up being. But, Kevin, to your point about the Warriors, I want to explain how hard this is to do. Yeah. Right? Because, yes, the 2016 Warriors did it. They went through that whole 73-win season without a back-to-back -back loss. 
Guess what? No one else has ever done it. No one. It's never been done except for that one year in the history of the NBA, which spans seven decades. And you saw the sand traps that we talk about at Denver, at Utah, night after night, a back-to-back on the two highest elevation uh, arenas in the league. Mm, so look, Them it moms. is a tough bar that Anthony Davis is setting, but you know what? They have two of the five best players in the league, yes, so that's the kind of team that you set those high bars for. Coming up, the Clippers put up 150 last night, but Doc says PG and Kawhi haven't even practiced in the same lineup yet. Well, what happens when they do? Oh, it's going to get serious. First, though, it's time for our distant replay, this date in 95, featuring one of our favorites. Hi, Scotty. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh! You know it's trouble when you're in the open court and you throw that ball out. Right? Like, oh, yeah. Look how you push that ball out. Watch. I don't see you. I'm legally blind. Early. <laughs> the extension. <laughs> The Jump is brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. It's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss league. Oh, I have no idea. Make. (laughs) Miss. It's a make or miss league. Fake posters. Elijah McCadden of Georgia Southern throwing down a huge dunk on Florida Gulf Coast yesterday. I mean, it's pretty damn impressive. nasty. Who does that remind you of today? Ooh, a little Baron Davis, a little oh, bit. That's Vince Zoe. That oh, is Vince Zoe. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yes, that is it. Florida Gulf Coast used to be the ones dunking on people. Yes. Life comes at you fast. Things change. Do you dunk like that? All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, yes, on a nerf. On a nerf. In a trampoline. On the, on the bottom of Yes, the, in a storage. Baron Davis, there it below is. The, below the door now. Uh, miss. Oh, T-Mac. Yeah, T-Mac, yes. Warriors magic. Markel Fultz, watch him drive in, loses control, but then taps it up in. Watch another look here. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right? Oh, that's crazy. All right, and then later in the game, you get another wild tip, Willie Cauley-Stein. <laughs> so which is more impressive? I always go with the little guy. Right. Because like he's got he's got more to do there. Yes. Yeah, I go with both just because he really peeped that and then tapped it in and Collie Stein, that was like luck. That was a little bit of luck. <laughs> and I've been informed I'm the only person who likes those Orlando jerseys. I like them too. Thank you. Okay. Once I said I liked them, I got them, so I like them all. <laughs> I like all the jerseys. <laughs> just one more jersey. Yes. Those Mavs jerseys yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Make recognition. <laughs> Dirk sat courtside during the Mavs Lakers game. Staples gave him a tribute video and a standing ovation. Kevin, do you really miss Dirk or do you really miss Yes, Dirk? as a self-effacing person, he was the great self-effacing athlete. He was also the first unicorn. I mean, not the first unicorn. Oh, might have been the first unicorn. But, I mean, he is. Uh, but, you know, you miss him a lot less if you're 13 and 5 or whatever the Mavericks are right now. That is, um, as a league, we miss Dirk. Of course we, we miss him. Right? Um, and I do want to know how much ice cream he's eaten. Because <laughs> every time I ask someone around Dallas about Dirk, they're like, He's been eating a lot of ice cream. He said that. It's a euphemism. I know, but it's just become like a euphemism for the fact that he's no longer in playing tape. They're like, he's been eating a lot but of ice cream. But he was going to give himself a year. a year, right? So he said, yeah, he, I'm going to have a year. Look what happened with Kobe. You know, you're going to live your best life for that year. Right? And then you bounce back. You snap back. Mint chip, Rocky Road, miss effort. Wizards, Clippers. Clips, miss a three. And Kawhi, who was sitting on the court, has the ball bounce directly to him to drill the jumper. Like, look at this. 
And there we go. I mean, maybe he's got magnets in his hands. Who, hands who missed the three star to that man? The finest in robotics. If ever there was evidence that he has a cyborg, this is it. This is not helping that argument. Right? He has mitts. He has suction cups. It usually gets him on steals, but this was fun. I was. I feel like the Sorry robot thing died kind of last year with nope. the whole fungi thing, and then the Terminator commercial just right? brought it right back. So there you go. There you go. That was impressive. Make frustration. Jazz Raptors. Utah was down by... 40, 40 at the half, and nobody more frustrated than Rudy Gobert, who took out his anger on his own face. I mean, remember he used to punch cups, right? So that, which I think that, didn't this get him like a, a yes. double That's what I was going to say. Like that. That. so much flack for punching um, cups. So I, I don't, this is what happened. I don't know if we should punch Let him punch the, the cups. That I is just, a... Dirk is self-effacing. That is self-effacing. I mean, literally, that is yes. self-effacing. There it goes. I mean, you don't want to punch the stanchion either. We've seen that go wrong. No. But, I mean, cups are movable. The clubhouse wall. You don't want that either. No, That's always no. been. No, maybe just the basket. Wait, okay. Let him move. <laughs> there we go. Let's move on to the other dominant team in LA, the Clippers. They put up one city last night against the Wizards in the yeah, sixth game that both Kawhi and PG have played together. Head coach Doc Rivers feels his team is just scratching the surface of what's possible. Here's what he told reporter Sunday, quote, I don't know how many years I've coached, 20 maybe, but I've never had it where my two best players going into game 21 have yet to have a practice together on the floor, not one. They've had one practice where they're opposing each other in practice. They've yet to be in the same lineup and have a practice. So, Janae, how different do you think the Clippers will look once these guys do start practicing. Oh, rough week for the Bradley Bills. I mean, Washington Wizards. Um, that's what I call them, at least. You know, James Harden doing what he did, and yeah. they put up 158 and then follow that up with a 150 piece. Uh, again, these players are getting their rhythm games back against this team, but the fact that they are have you a practice- Wait a minute. Are you saying that playing against the Wizards is a practice? It's pretty much practice at this point. Shanae, this is a professional NBA team. It is team. a professional NBA team, and I have so much respect for Bradley Beal and company <laughs> um, until my guy John Wall gets back. But if you look at this, the fact that they haven't even practiced together and they're feeling comfortable to get their rhythm in-game, especially against this team where mm-hmm. like there's no concerns, that just shows you the potential. <laughs> that, that just shows she you the potential. Yes. The reason why you have... help herself. You know, and there's... there's <laughs> I know it's funny. There's no real urgency to, to practice them because health is the number one priority for them. And if they're out there playing healthy and playing to their best ability, that's what you want and they'll figure it out along the way. These are two guys that have sort of created their own versions of MVP seasons on the fly. Right. On the fly. OKC for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Um, they also have, and this is to me the most balanced team, a top team offensively, a top team defensively. You have guys off the bench like Montrez Harrell, who will, that can jump in and become starters and hold it down. So yeah, I'm just wanting their health to be the number one priority. And if that means play them only in games and limited practices, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of the cultivating the chemistry, you're going to see more on the defensive end. Yeah. Because I think if we're talking about the Clippers as a contender in June, it's because they put together and assemble the best defense in the league. And they have a lot of questions that can only be answered through trial and error. Number one, you know, they've been a very switchy defense right. in the last couple seasons. I think there are people within the Clippers who say, you know, switching's great for teams that don't have guys like sure. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Pat Beverly to play on ball. Yep. You know, I think they're they're kind of experimenting how much ball pressure do we want to apply on every possession. Um, they're a very different defensive team with Zubats than they are with Harrell. They and are. I think right now, in terms of getting those guys 
reps together, whether it's in practice or particularly in live games, Mm -hmm. it is very much about what is going to be our collective philosophy as a defensive team. And And I think that's where it's going to... And it's interesting, though, because I feel like as much as you want to have an overall team chemistry, if you have pockets of chemistry, for a while, Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell will number one pick and roll game in the NBS. So off the bench, if you put them two together, they're good. Now it's sort of like, all right, we're going to have you two play together, Paul George, Pat Bev, and Kawhi, and then they're good. So they have these rotations that work in spurts that you don't necessarily have to have them all together. Um, but let, let me put a little respect on Rui Hachimura's name, too, because I, I, I support him as well. Well, despite your wizard slander, um, <laughs> I would say that, um, look, Kawhi Leonard came out and said, flat out, during the regular season last year, he said the regular season is almost like practice. 82 practices right? is what he said. That is what he said. So, so and, and guess what? For him, he was correct because he played differently, both in amount and force, in the postseason, and it won him a title and the finals MVP. If it ain't broke. So, to your point about, hey, some of these games are almost a sub-in for practice, that is how we know at least one of these guys partly sees it, and it's worked for him, and so I wouldn't expect it. I, I think Doc will get to more than, you know, we'll get to one of those practices where they're both on the for same sure. side, but I don't expect it to be so many compared to the way some other teams might need to work their guys together. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about James Harden. Because he had 60 points in three quarters. Should this have been a more historic night, though? Because some of us feel like maybe chasing 80 would have been fun. We will discuss that next. Watch Sports Center, 4 o'clock Eastern. Hannah, Keith, they're going to look at how Kirk Cousins can snap his Monday Night Football losing streak tonight. You can watch it on ESPN and the app. Or right now on this network, you can watch James Harden talking about dropping 60 on Saturday. Take a listen. It's your fourth 60th point game of your career. You're tied now for third most all-time with Michael Jordan. You're on a list with Will Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. When you hear your name with those three, what goes through your mind? That's greatness right there. Those guys are uh, something that I'm trying to get to. You know, Hopefully at the end of it, when it's all said and done, I can be missing in that group you know, forever. Uh, you know, so... Still a work in progress, but uh, we're working to get to there. All right. So that was James Harden talking a little bit about um, just the significance, right, of dropping 60 in three quarters. We're also about to show you Harden's reaction. This is when he was on the bench and finding out he was just a little bit outside his career high. Right. So here he is chasing 60. Um, Then he's like, come on, I was right there. (laughs) I was right there. Could have been, but just right there, a couple points. He's really shocked. He's right there for effect. <laughs> I mean, you got to put the hands on the head for effect. We'll be good. All right. <laughs> Do you think, Ms. Rockets fan growing up around Houston, Stan, yes. um, that they should have left him in to chase Edie? So this is my philosophy when people are on to greatness. You should allow them to try to attain such greatness until they start messing up. So you should give shooters a grace period. I think there should be a conversation, especially like we're up by 50. All right. We're up by 40. Shorty. (laughs) Entering the fourth quarter. I'm going to give you a good two minutes. If you're still cooking, I'll let you rock. But if not, I'm going to pull you out after you miss two shots. 
that's that's it. I feel like that's like the streets know that that's how it's supposed to be done. Right. So when Clay goes off in one quarter, we feel Mike some Antonio type of way. Not from the streets. I yeah, I don't know if he's from, from the West streets. Virginia. <laughs> I don't know if he's from the streets, but you should be from Hollers. the streets. That third war, fourth war, Houston, Texas. Just pointing out, so, he might not know those rules. He may not know those rules. D'Antoni, I can help you. Let me tell you. All the Rockets fans were a little disappointed because we're like, we don't need him to get 81. Two off his career high. Let him get that. And then, you know, maybe go one for two, one for three, and then pull them out. That's just my piece. So on the 80-point question, there's no right answer. Because if you say you should take him out, then you're a killjoy. If you say you you, you, you could keep him in, now you're just stat padding and ball hogging and all that. Um, I mean, I will say this. I I do feel like, and I want to get your impression on this, on on the Rockets narrative. Because I think that in the last two years, I just feel like there are times where I feel like the objective of the Houston Rockets is James should win the MVP. James should go for 80. James, 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 James. And at a certain point, are we going to have a conversation about what are the ingredients that are going to propel this team to a final? One of the benefits of being the kind of just absolute machine offense that can bury inferior opponents in three quarters is you get to rest guys in the fourth. And then so James Harden isn't gassed in May as he is every single year. Why do they flame out? Generally speaking, it's because James is gassed. Yeah. So I, I just think there is some push-pull. I'm with you. There was, I remember that Sunday night about, what, 13, 14 years ago? How long has it been since Kobe's uh, Sunday <laughs> yeah. night, Laker White's against Don't Toronto? Uh, let me call Jim right. Rose and ask him. All right, 13. Uh, 13. Oh, it's in my I ear. This is great. Man. You just get answers. Put in your ear when you're on a show like uh. this. This is fantastic. So I, I do, there is something special about that. That is where the NBA sort of makes its, it, 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 its, its magic. To your point about the Kobe game, by the way, and again, shout out Jalen, we love you. Um, the Lakers were only up by six going into the fourth quarter. So obviously he stayed oh God, I forget in. about that. Because it was a close yeah. game. Um, and they the needed Rockets every one of them points. Led yes. by 54 going so, into the fourth quarter. I mean, my, my take on the yes, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. And of the two paradigms you listed, you didn't even get to the injury third rail, right. right, of, oh, my God, what if they had left him in? And then he sustained some sort of ACL injury or something. And, you know, people would have had D'Antoni's head in the streets or West Virginia or otherwise. But... It's fun for me if he goes for 80. So as a fan, I am just going to say I understand there are more responsible people than me in the Rockets organization because they get to have their job. I get to have mine as a fan and say, let them all stay in. When Steve Curry used to pull Steph Curry that season where he was getting close to those kinds of scoring numbers, I would... Yeah, Give you him a hard time that, yeah. all but, the time. But what about us? Right? Thank you. What about us? 281-832-713. But to your point, <laughs> if he's not going to average, if he's going to average 35 and not win MVP, then let him get his new career high one moment. It doesn't have to be 81, but he can go for 65. I like your compromise. I like this. Give him two minutes. Yeah. And and when will this not work? Obviously, being so top-heavy and top-loaded on James Harden is not fun in the playoffs. But this is a new iteration of the Rockets with Russell Westbrook. Again, I talk about how their pace has changed. Mm -hmm. This is not the defensive team of three years ago. This is not the Chris Paul-led, smarter basketball IQ team. This is a team that can sort of offset James really taking a rest with Russ just changing the pace. So I think it's new version of the Rockets, and they should have just let him get his new career high, guys. Again, what, what about us? Okay, we don't have to be here responsible. We can just sit here and make wild requests. There you go. Let's talk about Ennis Cantor posting a double-double in yesterday's win over the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. His old team. He's had a few old teams by now. It's what Cantor said about Knicks owner James Dolan after the game that is drawing attention, however. Here's the quote. It's terrible that they put the blame on this guy every time. I feel like he has... Wait for it. Nothing to do with it. You just got to go out there and play basketball, right? 
He can't push you to go out there and play basketball. I feel like people blame him and people are wrong. I feel like he's a really good dude. And we are buddies now. So I'm going to just let that quote (laughs) sink in as I then read you what Cantor told our friend Howard Beck on the Full 48 podcast back in September. He said, quote, I'm not blaming anybody. I had an amazing time with the Knicks. But other teammates I've talked to, or if they're on different teams, they always said, amazing city. MSG is amazing. Everything is so good. But the ownership. They always keep saying, but the ownership. So, Kevin, do you believe Ennis Cantor from roughly six weeks ago? This was not like an old buried quote we dug up. Or do you believe him from last night? No, I mean, it's interesting that MSG has a new public relations specialist. <laughs> uh, and, and he lives in Boston, which is even more interesting. Um, look, I, I think here's the question. You can cycle through rosters. You can cycle through superstars. You can cycle through management. You can cycle through coaches. And what is the constant variable if a team fails repeatedly for 20 years? We talk about accountability in sports, right? And ownership is the ultimate account. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is where the buck stops. And it, you, at a certain point, you have to look at the constant variable, and that would be ownership. Look, this is a superstar league, and that will always be the first ingredient for success. But once you get past that, ownership is the biggest determinant of franchise success. And this is a franchise that's been an abject failure, generation in, generation out, in the last 20, 25 years, and uh, 20 years. And then that is, that, that's the constant. I am going to take you a little bit behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. It's winter. It's cuffing season on the East Coast. <laughs> I think players need a little bit more love. They need a little nurturing before 2020 vision gets in full effect. They're trying to think about, man, my past and all that stuff. They need love. On the Celtics, he's over, only averaging about 16 minutes per game. On the Knicks, he was at 26 minutes per uh-huh. game. So I think that's what he's speaking of. He's like, man, I miss those days when I used to get a little bit more love, a little bit more run. He's reminiscing on the past. He's not necessarily. Now you can resign me. Yeah, exactly. Right? So and look at this. <laughs> the warmth. That's what I'm telling you. I think he's getting a little bit of love here. It's cousin season, people being their feelings, and I think he's always sort of in that territory. Come Here's the deal. I'm just going to keep saying it every time we do a segment on the Knicks. Sorry, Producer Steve. But people, I, there's Knicks fans out there who are like, man, the media just hates the Knicks. They love ripping on the Knicks. It is good for the NBA when the Knicks are good. People in the media and other fans around the country, like unless you're playing them directly, want the Knicks to be good. Yes. And the reason why people are upset with James Dolan, to your point about the last 20 years, it's not just that he's an owner of a team. He is the owner, the custodian of one of the largest fan bases in the NBA, a team that seemingly has every advantage in that terms of money. location, yes. money, television local co- television contract, the lure of a big city, all those things, marketing opportunities, and that's why people are so frustrated. It is not Knicks bashing. It is wanting a team that we everybody knows has so much potential and that could make the NBA greater um, being taken care of in a way that everybody except Ennis Cantor this week disagrees before we get to our jump recommends today i want to play a clip this is from a couple years ago this was a sit down i did with lebron and Dwayne wade back in 2017 you'll see why it's relevant in a minute but take a listen i'm not turning on data roman i'm not i'm not buying no apps i still got pandora with commercials so i'll be listening to some great music at home and doing a commercial Hey, you want to win three tickets to come to the Cavs game? Meet LeBron, Dwayne, Kevin Love right now. And it just happened. I'm not. I'm not. You know you're rich, right? I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying. I get it. It's true. free, right? So it's true. It's true. True. The question there was about how cheap LeBron is, which all his friends talk about. 
Um, and he said, I saw Pandora with the commercials. Well, Pandora signed him up after that interview. And that brings us to today. This is what The Jump recommends, brought to you by Pandora, who has partnered with Uninterrupted to create custom celebrity playlists. This is what that has wrought. We have gotten all the way to here. He's now, not only did he get free Pandora from that interview, he's now getting paid to list his revenge season playlist on Pandora. And what about you, And today? shout out to LeBron James because he's getting me paid through association. I have my own <laughs> playlist out there as well. Forget LeBron James. First time you ever heard that in your life. Forget LeBron's playlist. Mine's better. Dirty South playlist, Mega Stallion, UGK, everybody, you name it. Go to my playlist. I'm telling you, that's so a lot of money. Thank you, Rachel. On on Again. Again. Yes. There we go. All right, on Friday, it's another star-studded doubleheader on ESPN and the app. The Nuggets heading to Boston on an East Coast road trip to face Kemba and the Celtics at 8 o'clock Eastern. And then LeBron and Anthony Davis are in Portland taking on the Trailblazers, where they will see that man, Damian Lillard, and Carmelo Anthony, which leads us to a round of something, nothing, or everything. everything. Thank you, friends. The Blazers on a three-game winning streak and are getting a big boost from Carmelo Anthony. Melo averaging over 22 a game, shooting 57% from the field during that span. And even, drum roll, just earned Western Conference Player of the Week honors. Just announced during this show, anybody who could have seen that coming should go to Las Vegas. Chinay. <laughs> well, no, I mean, would you, if somebody said to yes. you... Place a bet on whether in the week of December His 2nd, return. No, no, not his return. If someone just said to you a month ago, a mere month ago today, <laughs> in December 1st, Carmelo Anthony will be Western Conference Player of the Week. How much money would you feel confident putting down on that? Shoot, $10. That's that, And the something, nothing, or everything, that, <laughs> that would is, have been that's an everything. nothing. <laughs> yeah, but nothing. about the recent offense Melo has produced, that is a larger question. Is that something, nothing, or everything? I think this is everything. Because there were so many, like, I put out that Melo's going to be fine in the league. And a lot of haters came at me on social media. And a lot of those haters were Trailblazers fans because you're like, you don't want us to be great. Well, y'all needed this offensive boost. The Blazers, any of their players that had scored more than 20 points in a game, Dame's done it over 12, time, 12 times, CJ's done it eight times. The rest of the t- team combined hasn't even done it more than eight. They've done it seven times. They needed someone that can give them 20-point games. Rodney Hood has been a little dinged up over the course of this season. Um, Zach Collins being out has has really hurt them. They needed an offensive score. And Melo, we saw this in his last run. He gave you 13 points in about, like, 20-something minutes. He's a bucket. It was just the stigma of Melo and just what he brings to the table. Is he willing to take a role and accept a role? And he came on our program on ESPN and said, yes, I am. Yep. And he found a spot that works for him. So I'm very happy for Melo. So you yep. say something? I say this is ever. Everything. 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 I, I think it's something. Uh, they needed a decongestant, especially outside of the guard. <laughs> no, that offense was... I mean, do you watch that offense? I, I have was it plugged it, up? Yeah, it was plugged up. It needed some, and especially at the forward up? position. <laughs> right. You know, they lost so many of their three, four guys. Here. No, that's a different. <laughs> I'm not that side. That's something else. That's the that's lower half of the body. He's good. talking about yes. the upper half of the body. Decongestant. Keep going, Kev. No, they didn't need a laxative. Kev, keep making your point. They needed Monday, something, in, especially in the front court. They didn't have these threes and fours. Look, I mean, is it a long-term solution? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But it's certainly a short-term solution for a team that, by the way, as of this morning, one game out of the playoffs. After all, after all that, after all that, one game out of the playoffs, haven't played their best basketball. CJ still kind of coming into it this season. 
that this is this I, I, something which between something and everything, most things. Um, you who's hedging? That I'm is always yeah. hedging. Oh. Between something and everything. Life is gray. I will say two things. First of all, I saw a wave on social media after they announced the Carmelo. Who votes on this? Who says this? I think so and so was better. Harden had a great week. Luke had a great week. LeBron. Um, it is an internal NBA committee mm-hmm. that decides this. So it is not the media. It is not other players. It is the NBA league office. Um, and I would also say this. We don't know what's going to happen with Carmelo Anthony going forward. He could drop off. Um, the defensive liability could come into more sharp focus. Maybe we get to the playoffs and they're not really using him as much in the rotation, much less starting him. That doesn't have bearing what happens from here on what is happening today. It doesn't take away the fact that after a year out of the NBA, when people were saying the stuff that people said about him, he was able to keep himself in the physical and, frankly, more important, mental shape yep. to be able to walk back into the league and within two weeks win a player of the week wow. from the NBA office. So whatever happens from here, even if it doesn't go well from here on out, this is something that I think is is pretty remarkable and is worth commenting on. Um, I actually just spent a few days uh, up in Portland. Um, we will be talking to Carmelo himself self tomorrow so we will have that and, and again i just the insight i got from him about his mental process during that time I, I think i think we're underplaying it a little bit and i will be interested for you guys to see the interview when we air that on tomorrow's show next up we will be talking about the raptors because they had a 40 point lead at halftime i don't know if you heard me say that in the last block toronto up 77 to 37 against utah first half it was the largest halftime lead in franchise history they ended up winning by 20 so kevin is the defending nba champs 40 point halftime lead over the jazz something nothing or everything uh, i'm not gonna go everything i had it as something and now you've you've, you've inspired you. me to be more declarative <laughs> okay you know what all around the nba always say it's bigger than just one guy it's bigger than just one guy this is what every organization wants to believe sure. about its internal identity you lose a finals mvp and you go out and you win your first 15 of your first 19 games um, this is quietly the best story of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is uh, similar. I wouldn't say it's everything. I think it's something. Uh, the only reason it's something to me because I saw the score at half and I was like, is this a typo? Is this real? It made me go by league pass right. <laughs> to watch the game, to see the score. And I was like, wow, this Raptors team, I've, I've been saying it, they, they know how to develop talent. Yeah. They know to ha- how to harvest talent. Um, you think about OG Ananobi coming on strong, Stanley Johnson coming on strong. Um, Chris Boucher has had moments. Pascal Siakam is an all-star. This is who they are. Fred, Fred Van Bleet, this is who he is. So I was shook. I bought League Pass. I looked, saw it dead in the eye. December 1st without buying League Pass? See, your girl can finesse. I'm just you saying. You got a little free sample? Pass? Finesse. Are you like I was trying to hold who's, out until like I had to. Are you Whose password exact, are you using? You know what? Let me say that. Yeah, I'm using <laughs> all y'all's passwords. You leave your phones unlocked, I got you. <laughs> there we go. Um, I will say, you're right. It's not all about one guy. And you just listed all the reasons. And I would add Nick Nurse to that group. 100%. That just said. But Pascal Siakam is a, he like, is a bona fide star. So yes, they lost an Finals MVP in Kawhi, but the fact that then they have fla- you know had Flower Pascal the way he's played, it's not like they're doing this on a sh- on shoestrings and scotch tape. They're doing it on the back of a guy who is a flat out star. Right. Player. But to use your model, if 13 months ago I said we're going to be yes. talking about Pascal Siakam yes. as an MVP candidate, would you have put Shanae's ten dollars? Uh, I, I would have put Zach's ten dollars in because Zach Lowe would have bought that taken yes, that bet. Our final topic: the Bucks are on 11 game winning streak, the longest since 1985. 
That is significant. Milwaukee beating Charlotte by 41 on Saturday for the 11 straight win. So during this stretch, let's talk about Giannis. He's averaging more than 32 points. The Bucks taking over first place in the East. So, Kevin, something, nothing, or everything? Yeah, this is something. Uh, and I, I, the reason I don't think it's everything is this is a team that did get to the conference finals last year. And I think we will have conversations that are always tinged with, well, let's see how it works right. uh, against the best competition in, in the finals. But it's also a team that needs to build confidence because of that. And... Uh, Giannis is still getting better. It's it's interesting how that works, <laughs> right? Like we talk about Pascal. I mean, like he is still getting better. Mm-hmm. He is still figuring out the tempo and and decision making and, and everything else. It, it's it's pretty impressive to see. Um, but yeah, I, I've got it as something. Yeah, I agree. It's something. You know, I was really surprised to see that the, you know, this is a perfect segue because the only two teams in the NBA that are top five in offensive and defensive efficiency right now. Mm-hmm. The Raptors and the Bucks. Surprised that it's the Raptors. I was surprised it was the Bucks because I thought the Lakers sort of had a, a big, strong offense, big, strong defense. Their streak would go longer. The fact that the Bucks are doing it. If you look at their roster, they had nine guys in double figures their last game they played. And one of them was not Eric Bledsoe. They're getting so much production from so many different names. They have a well-balanced uh, roster. And then, as you mentioned, the Greek Freak is still doing Greek Freak things. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about depth, look, this is a team that wasn't sure where it would be without Malcolm Brogdon. And there was a week or two early in the season where I was like, oh, yeah, they still might know. miss them. I mean, there's something about might, a, yeah. absolutely, but the confidence they can get from that yeah. depth that you're talking about, other people contributing, could come into play. Up next, we're going to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. He has been putting up all-star-worthy stats while Kyrie Irving is out for the Nets. Should his role change when Kyrie returns to the starting lineup? We will discuss first, though. It's time for our second distant replay. This is from exactly to the date ten years ago. Take a look. Nicely by Butler. It's loose, picked up by. I know those Houston jerseys. Trevor Ariza. Oh. So he will climb up there. I know they wish he was still on that squad. Oh, that was pain. Yeah. (laughs) Stare down. Those McDonald's jerseys, though. I know. Iconic, kind of though. Not iconic. No, you didn't like them. High noon is minutes away, and we'll discuss if the Patriots should panic. Do the Eagles have a coaching problem? Luka Doncic is playing at LeBron's level. And Freddie Kitchens may have exposed himself with a wardrobe malfunction. So stay tuned. It's not as disgusting as he made it sound. Next time, just zip up the... Anyway. The <laughs> 21st annual Big Ten ACC Challenge takes place this week tomorrow night. Duke is taking on Michigan State at 9.30 Eastern. And on Wednesday, Ohio State visits North Carolina in Chapel Hill. All right, now we move on back to the NBA, to the Eastern Conference, where the Nets have won six of their last nine without Kyrie Irving. Our Malika Andrews has a story up on ESPN.com talking about this, and she's noting about how Spencer Dinwiddie has been averaging 25 points during the run, leading to the question, Kevin, how should Spencer's role change once Kyrie comes back, and is that going to cause issues? Well, I mean, here, here's, here's the consideration, right? Like, I want, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I want either Kyrie or Spencer on the floor at all times. So if the question is, well, should Spencer start? He deserves to start. Of course he deserves to start. However, I want to stagger his minutes so that he is on the floor when Kyrie isn't, because he is a catalyst with the ball. He's a fantastic pick-and-roll player. He, he gets to the hole. He's intuitive. Um, but I don't think there's going to be a problem in the so far as Karis LeVert is hurt. 
So I think he's, if the answer is, is does he need to play more minutes? He's going to get his 34, 36 minutes. Yeah, I don't think you can disrespect Dinwiddie anymore. Like, a lot of times you overlook him or even like, oh, he's off the bench. Maybe he needs to be a starter. Maybe they need to force him to be the third option in the future. When KD comes back and Kyrie is playing, he's that third score you need on a championship team. Every year he gets better and better. The last three seasons, 12 points and 16 points, and now he's giving you 20. Granted, he's had opportunity as of late, but the fact is you want Kyrie to be able to empower those around him. In Boston, he was still trying to figure that out. The time is now in Brooklyn. Yeah, and look, Spencer Dimity, still a good Twitter follow. Just <laughs> Great. I also don't know how much this is going to come up anytime soon. Look at this, look at this, DeAndre, <laughs> making sure Jared Allen looks right. I, I'm just going to say that the Nets are fun to watch on TV. He's picking up a quarter there. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> you know, a dime? He's instead of giving a dime, he's taking a dime. Looking for a dime. Oh, that's kind of oh, top of the line. Dropping DJ. dimes? No. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> we'll get there somehow. Um, uh, my point was Kyrie Irving is not close to coming back yet. Our league pass game of the night: Knicks at Bucks. Current Eastern Conference Player of the Week: Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, he just won it. Made a habit of jumping over people and hitting game winners when he plays the Knicks. Obviously, a very fateful encounter with Kristaps Porzingis. There's just been a lot of these incidents, so. How will Giannis treat New York tonight when he comes to town tonight? Honestly, Giannis has been in one of those moods and one of those grooves that he's treating everybody like the Knicks right now. Like, he's just a one-man wrecking crew. So, he's playing the Knicks. He's going to get his buckets. The next team, he's going to get buckets on. He's playing his best basketball. You said it, Kevin. Yeah, he will treat the Knicks the way James Dolan treats Charles Oakley. Kevin! (laughs) Oh, he's going to, oh, oh. He's going to send him out. He's going to send him out. Blanket our air there for a minute. We'll be back tomorrow at our regular time, 3 p.m., over on ESPN. And I will be talking to Carmelo Anthony's first television interview as a Blazer. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you.